0: Three, two, one, and we're back. It is Sunday, December 13th. We have to, first of all, Julie, start on these Sunday shows by giving the, um, required by the federal government, they do require that we give them, you know, it's from the Surgeon General yes, after absolutely. all, a health warning we about- have to comply. That's right, about listening to the Sunday podcast. Yes. So go ahead you, and-
1: You've been warned. This go, is not your regular podcast for right. those of you who listen to us during the week. And for those of you where this is your first podcast listening to us, well... Forgive us. Yep, there you are. So <laughs> buckle up. We never know where it's going to go. We've got lots of different things we've collected throughout the week. Some of them real estate related, many of them not. But uh, stay with us and maybe you'll learn something new.
0: Right. So Sunday is our intentional opportunity to defrag from the previous week and to prepare for the week Um That we are obviously walking into, and you know, I uh, I kind of stumbled over my thoughts there because I was thinking it's not just really a week that we're stumbling into, really. It's two weeks away from the new year, which is pretty extraordinary. Um, And so, yeah, this is a time of year that can be a real blessing. It can also be a real curse, and it can be a blessing because you're you you force yourself to be in appreciation mode. You know, you have to be thinking in terms of thoughts that are going to make you feel um, again in gratitude, and then make it at the same time so you're optimistic about the future, but at the same time, if you're uh, carrying a lot of sort of 2020 dread and mm. sense of overwhelm into the new year, you're probably not going to have a very good holiday season, let alone launch to the new year. So it maybe is a good idea for you guys to have a defrag day yourself. That's what we call Sundays. And doing so, then it'll allow you to sort of give your opportunity to, to clear your own emotional decks. 2020 has been unprecedented. And, you know, it's going to go down the history books of being the biggest sort of social economic, you know, a health emergency experiment known to man. I'm sure it will. There'll never be another documented uh, pandemic economic, you know, all the things that happened this year, they're going to be documented down to the, you know, tiniest little detail, things that have happened like this in history, going back to the sort of dawn of humanity there's been obviously other pandemics and plagues and economic this is and the other things but nothing that's been this well documented so from a historical perspective you've just lived through something uh that's going to be looked back upon um forever really studying how Really wackadoodle people will act <laughs> under, when just a few a sort of a, you know conditions are present. And unfortunately, there's no reason to believe that those are all going to be behind us, despite the vaccine.
1: You mean like the toilet paper crisis of 2020? Exactly. Kind of I
0: mean, there's going to be all kinds of little studies that are going to happen um, that will make their way into history books. Think of all the Netflix specials that are getting written right now. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy.
1: I know. And to your point, well documented. I mean, between social media and You know, just the different things that have been reported in pictures and stories. It should be pretty interesting to look back on. And I, I think it'll morph too, how people think about it will well, change over time.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, these things always do. Just if you think back in our own history in the past, you know, couple, you know how many decades we've been around? Five mm-hmm. decades? Mm-hmm. And all the big things that we've lived through, they do have a tendency to sort of change into other things. There'll be the experience of uh, living through, say, for example, September 11th, mm-hmm. and now how, how it's being remembered. And it, it, I have to say what kind of surprises me is that there's so many people we run across them in our podcast younger people that maybe sort of have a distant memory of september 11th yeah. just i don't want to talk about september 11th but i'm just giving it as an example sure how this time has this tendency that you know things go through phases like the first phase seems to be sort of like a, almost a brushing under the carpet and then things over time those uh experiences the historical things seem to come back as a uh, morph into some other different sets of th- uh, thoughts and you can look back upon wars that way like if you lived through world war 2 you know, if you were, we were just Tim and Julie Harris living in Columbus, Ohio, during World War II, mm-hmm. and, you know, we had friends, and maybe I was, and maybe you were involved in the war effort, the whole thing. That experience was com- is completely different than if, for example, you were studying World War II 50 years later. Definitely. You know, and Definitely. you can't capture it in history books, because history books are always going to be written by, um, you know, people with a pers- you know, a personal agenda of some variety. I'm not some being political here. Right. And so it's kind of fascinating when you think about all those things that going forward, all of you guys are going to have these firsthand memories of what will be remembered as one of the most historical things to happen in the history of humanity thus far. There might be an alien visit that's on slate. We're going to, we're going to talk about that <laughs> on the podcast today. Yes. <laughs> but this is going to be one of those things that you will know. You know if you're in your 20s and don't remember September 11th, don't remember the Gulf War, don't remember you know JFK being shot. That was before Julian and I's time. But if you don't remember all these things you don't really, you haven't really experienced them. Well, all of this you had, and I'll just bring it more relevant to our industry. Mm -hmm. How many people listening right now did not live through the real estate crash of seven, eight, nine?
1: I know. I know. It's very interesting. And that there's so many different takes on that. When I I have at least a few calls, usually this pops up on Premier Coaching of, uh, we could lovingly call them grizzled veterans, right? (laughs) Where they did live through that and it was very traumatic and they do remember it just kind of, sneaking up on you in a way, and and their question is always like, when's it going to happen again? When's it going to happen? I know. Should I be freaked out by this? And the ones that didn't, I, some of them are actually more freaked out of it because it's a kind of fear of the unknown because they don't have any precedent to compare it to. It's very interesting to see the different takes on what's going to happen next, especially as we live through also a historic housing boom, one of the bright parts of 2020, um, I mean, nobody can argue with that. That's there's been so much, call it inflation or you know whatever, but there's been a lot of wealth built up over this year. I think that's kind of a hidden story when we're all focused on everything else that happened.
0: Well, you guys can tell by what Julie just said. We're working on our predictions podcast for 2021, obviously, and I, actually, it's going to be 2021 probably for the next five years. Um, and Julie mentioned the word inflation and. I was reading CM, a, a CNBC article that was talking about housing values increasing in uh, 2020 and they used the word inflation. They didn't say appreciation. Now, why is that important? Cuz I have never, not in one single housing article, ever seen anybody in the media, certainly on, you know, CNBC's level which is mainstream, use the word inflation cuz no. inflation is a political word, really, at the end of the day. But for them to say that, you know, housing values inflated this year, that was a huge a significant uh, turn on the road that you're going to see. And Julie and I have been talking about inflation for, what, two years on this podcast? But really, we started talking about it and warning all of you guys about it uh, back when the uh, Fed started pumping all this money into the economy because of the pandemic. You know, uh, Again, not being political, just, just telling you guys straight up that inflation is going to be a thing going forward. And inflation is the rising cost. Actually, you know what? Let's do our stories. So we did the story. We just I just shared with you. This would be a good time. This one right here. This would be a good time to loop in an inflation story. Uh But let me get to that. So inflation, long story short, is the rising cost of things, and it starts generally speaking. um, And there's plenty of historical examples of inflation uh, entering into an economy. And so, again, I don't want to get into the meat and potatoes of it, and we're certainly not economists, not that you can trust economists, it would seem. But the reality of it is, is when you start seeing increased cost of housing and, um, you know, cars and everything that you use, more expensive things, but they're voluntary things, right? You don't necessarily have to buy a house. But, of course, now you have rent inflation, things like that. So what happens is inflation is uh, will start out in the asset classes, and then it works itself into the non-asset classes, into the things that you have to consume. So nobody really pays any attention to inflation um, on assets because not you know very few people really have any assets, right? You know I don't remember the statistics, but something like 90% of people don't even have $400 saved. So when you know assets, you know, stocks and bonds and Things like that go up in value. Most people don't really care. And it's not much of a story because it doesn't affect a vast majority of people. But when they do care, and when inflation does become a noticeable problem, and when it becomes a political problem, um, again, we were barely paying attention. We were just little kids. But when Jimmy Carter was president, mm-hmm. you know, there's this guy named Paul Volcker that came in when Ronald Reagan was um, elected, and Paul Volcker was the, you know, the the Fed chair. And he basically said, "This inflation has got to stop." And so what he did is he raised the snot out of interest rates, and that's when interest rates went to double digits. Now, why did he do that? Because he wanted to slow down the essentially the money lending that was going on, because it was causing uh, asset prices to increase, real estate in that particular example, and other things, and was causing problems in you know basically it's trickling down to you know, essentially consumables. And so there's the great fear of anybody who is paying attention to inflation, is something called hyperinflation. And that's the whole wheelbarrow thing you've seen maybe those pictures of, and uh, you know, uh, Germany where people were having, and supposedly it's happened in the United States too, where people are pushing wheelbarrows of cash to the grocery store just to buy a loaf of bread. And, and I think we've talked about this in the podcast before, and that actually did happen. Those pictures aren't fake. Um, But that's hyperinflation. That's when your money has virtually no value. So one of the things that you look out for when you're a business owner or you're an investor or just a normal human being is you've got to start paying attention to where the inflation is starting to creep in uh, into your life. Now, here's the thing that's fascinating. And this is the blessing that all of us have as far as just in the next short run, say one to five years. As inflation starts becoming a thing, Uh, And as your money starts losing its buying power, and as people then realize that their value of their dollar and what it can purchase is starting to decrease, they're going to start rushing to buy things that will at least hold the value of their money. Real estate, obviously, is the first go-to. And to CNBC's credit, they saw that the increase in cost of homes this year was largely that. It was inflation and these ridiculously low, wonderfully low interest rates. That trend is just getting started. So the housing boom, was trying to come to an end <laughs> at the end of last year into this year it was starting to peter out in many markets and we were all you were talking about it on the podcast you could see it in the numbers you could see it just across the board and then what happened is the pandemic hit and then you then the fed lowers rates to less than three percent now people can say till the cows come home that the housing uh you know essentially this boom 3.0 that we're experiencing now that was a result of people um you know wanting to reevaluate where they, reevaluate where they live and you know they're making all these decisions about lifestyle and those things are all true but really what's triggering it is interest rates less than 3%. If you take interest rates away these ridiculously low interest rates you're definitely going to slow down the housing market. But the Fed has come out and said that there's pretty much no chance that the interest rates on mortgages are going to go up until 2023. And so for the foreseeable future If you want to know what it feels like to be in the right place at the right time, uh, you're there, (laughs) listeners, because you have real estate licenses. And that's going to cause the housing boom and for a lot of other reasons um, that we're going to talk about in a future podcast, just to get to the point where it's almost unbelievable how much housing is going to increase in cost. Our advice to you, uh, and just if you want to take something away from all this, is make sure you absolutely are ready for the market to go to the next level. Even if you're in a market where people are thinking it was going to take a break, it's not. Say all your local buyers have bought, their people are sort of, you know, you're seeing essentially the generational shift has happened in maybe your semi rural community, and you're thinking, well, the market's going to slow down. Well, enter California, enter all these other states where people are leaving and they're going to your rural and semi rural communities and they're buying up real estate they're driving up costs. You're going to see that happening across the country um, for all the reasons, again, we've been talking about in our podcast. So bottom line, even if you're selling in one of these, you know, self, well, not self-proclaimed, but these states that people would mostly consider to be flyover states like where Julie and I are from, you you too are going to be experiencing a housing boom for at least the next three to five years. So, you know, there it is. So along the lines of where inflation is rearing its ugly head because people are looking to invest in things that will be good um, stores of cash, I found this little article. Julie, you want to just give the high points?
1: Yes. Well, so the the headline go go up is uh, how sports cards became a multi-million dollar alternative investment. You heard it right, sports cards. So sports card collecting is having a moment since the 1970s. Then, And sports cards, let's see, over 10 cards sold for 500000 or more. We're talking about each. There were two basketball cards that sold for $1.8 apiece. These are, uh, you know... I'm going to have to use Cards. So, so I said Le-
0: <laughs> LeBron James rookie card, and now you've got to read Giannis
1: that. Giannis Antetokounmpo <laughs> rookie card. Sorry, that can't be had no, been it right. No, right. Somebody <laughs> will know who that is. Yep. Giannis, at least I got right. Also saw a 2009 Mike Trout baseball card sell at auction for a record breaking. This is one card, guys. Yep. 3.84 million.
0: So these are baseball cards and yeah. yeah i mean i don't even know i know who uh, lebron james is but these other people no idea at least they're easy to oh no that, that one's a save. that one's a basketball card okay so is that the guy with the crazy we, name
1: we only know that because we have a picture yeah i think crazy <laughs> name
0: guy is the basketball guy yeah, I think maybe right. not anyway so yeah these are just you know cards <laughs> these it's are amazing. the well, thing
1: but it's not just that i i watch some of the auctions just for interest's sake Um, of lots of, you know, art,
0: art, art, auctions art
1: auctions, um, manuscripts like old books and art and even pens and all kinds of interesting things are definitely going for just crazy money.
0: So if you are out there, you're listening to this and we can give you a lot of other examples of this. Uh, But again, you don't collect business baseball cards or whatnot, and you don't really care. Well, the reason these are inflating in value is because people are looking for places to put their money, because evidently somebody with nearly $4 million not just wanted the card, but felt that that was a safer place to put their money versus, say, for example, the stock market or cash or real estate even. So it's kind of a fascinating thing. Um, What you should all consider doing, which is actually, interestingly enough, against the normal advice that Julie and I give is to absolutely buy real estate right now. I know you're buying it probably what will be seen maybe as a, or at least feels like a peak, but here's the uh, continued advice for you. If you can lock in a long-term 30-year mortgage for 3% or less, and it's a house that is rentable now, and then for example, if you buy something that's too expensive, that even with a low interest rate, you're not going to be able to make it make sense because you know maybe yep. it's a big house and a big area property big taxes, payment. big payment. Right? You're going to have to you know really think, think it through. through. Mm-hmm. But you can purchase real estate right now across the country in some of these B and C markets, right? An A market would be, say, for example, well, I mean, even though these were A markets for a long time, they're not necessarily anymore. But like, well, Austin is an a fr- incredibly hot market. It's going to be for a long time to come. But like a former A market, which may have been parts of Manhattan, you know, now those are, they're still A markets, but obviously the days in the market there is extraordinary. And so you're not necessarily going to invest in there. So you may be into where Julie and I are looking and the Carolinas and, and, Frankly, a lot of cities in the South. Look to uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Look to you know some of these rural communities in North Carolina. Even you can go and purchase properties there for two hundred and fifty, really two hundred thousand dollars or less. And a lot of times with these ridiculously low interest rates, you could rent them easily and cover the cash, and cover the payment. But most likely make pay, make cash flow right out of the gates. Yeah, if and you, ride
1: the inflation wave up.
0: That's exactly yeah. right. So if you are right now in a house where your mortgage is not uh, thirty-year fixed for three. 3% or less, you need to consider doing the same thing. Lock in a long-term 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. Do it now, um, and and this is where it goes against Julie and I's normal advice. We normally suggest you try to have all your debt pay out, paid off by the time you're 50, but when interest rates are this low, it's actually kind of dumb to have your uh, house in particular paid off, because if you had the cash flow and the ability to pay your house off at this point, and, and I'm again, I'm a hypocrite, because Julie and I have many paid off properties, um, it's smarter to have that cash and put that cash to work because you'll actually make more money ultimately being able to borrow at these ridiculously low interest as rates. As
1: long as you don't, you know, over-leverage leverage yourself, right. right? You read my mother's yep. there's mine. Um, so, you know, if you're thinking about doing this on a rental property, for example, imagine even with that low payment, imagine if it was vacant for three months, you know, would you be able to handle that? I think right. that's a good filter. Um, and, you know, some of our coaching clients are refinance, refining into 15 year loans, which in some cases I've seen as low as 1.8%. So compare your payments and figure out what you want to do with that. Some of you, it's a good time for you to be moving. Others of you, it's just time to refi. So keep an eye on this. It's pretty, pretty exciting. Um, speaking of people moving uh across state, across countries. Here's a a (laughs) fun article. Nearly 200-year-old gothic mansion on the English Channel sells to a US buyer. It's called Mamhead House in Devon. It came with a separate castle and 164 acres. And there's some beautiful pictures of this. But uh, I also really like, just for inspiration's sake and seeing what's going on in the world, not just in your backyard, Mansion Global is an interesting website. Um, let's see. Uh, this estate is a coast in a coastal county in southwest England. It's sold to a U.S. buyer. Uh, it's castle-like Georgian mansion, 164 acres, overlooks the English Channel and an estuary. Since 1833, it was built for a shipping magnate and local politician and his new bride. It can't, the sale comes amid a burst of housing activity in the U.K.'s smaller cities, just like we were talking about in the U.S., and vacation home markets as the COVID-19 pandemic motivates individuals to seek larger, greener, and more remote properties.
0: So that right there is one of the things that you and I are going to be talking about when we do our predictions podcast. Yes. Because initially it was maybe people fleeing the pandemic fear of mm-hmm. it, but now it's not that at all. Mm-mm. Now it's essentially people having different perspectives on how they want to live their lives. Yes. The pandemic gave all everyone who maybe had a fleeting thought in the back of their mind – wouldn't it be nice to live in where Mamhead had house in Devon, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe that was a fleeting thought, but boom, sure. the world says you don't have to come to work anymore. You can work remotely. And uh, turns out that that's no longer a taboo. Turns out working in a location yeah. is no longer a requirement.
1: Imagine a Zoom room in a castle. That would be pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, but imagine the echoes. That would be bad. <laughs> <I know. So. laughs> but people would be like, BS, that is not just a Zoom screensaver. There's, there's no way that you're living in a castle. Stop lying to me. I know. You're in some yeah. closet in your bedroom in Manhattan. Exactly. You're no way of living in a castle. It's pretty yeah. cool. But it's, I mean, those are the types of long-term shifts that change um, society, really. Absolutely. I'll tell you this is article I didn't save for you, but this is an article I read on Bloomberg this morning. Um <laughs> this is getting into the weeds. I I have a feeling I'm about to only have about 1% of our podcast listeners listen to me, but still it's, it's worth knowing. So if you are living in, for example, uh, where is this again? Devon. Devon, England, and you're living in your castle and you're a U.S. resident, you're a U.S. citizen rather, and you're living in Devon, you never are coming back to the United States and you're not earning any of your money in the United States. Let's just say you're, I don't even know what you're doing. You're just, you're selling fruit and vegetables and you're from your
1: 164 acres, exactly,
0: and, and maybe you're going to fit, and you, then you're selling said fruits and vegetables in the town, and uh, or maybe let's say you're doing, um, you're, you're doing a trading. Let's say you're a stockbroker or something like that, and you're doing earning all of your income out of that ridiculously gorgeous house. Um, and you know what you will be doing if you live in this house, assuming that you don't have an army of helpers, you're going to be doing a lot of yard work. <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> that's what Jersey. you're going to be doing. A lot that's of grass. that's going to be your full time job. Yep. So. Um, your income tax, your income that you earn above eighty thousand dollars in your loc- in your new residence, which is located someplace else on planet Earth, anything above that is taxable as normal U.S. income. U.S. and there's a country in Africa are the only two countries in the world that have a resident tax. In other words, you, again, you live anywhere on planet Earth, and if you're a U.S. resident. You have to pay taxes as if you were living in, um, you know, a state in the United States. Even
1: if you no longer own property in the U.S. I'd right.
0: Even if you have none of your income here, yeah. you're not. You just you don't
1: happen e- to be a U.S. citizen earning over eighty grand somewhere else. Right.
0: So this is an interesting. The article I was reading in Bloomberg was talking about the fact that you know the pandemic is allowing people to now not just think about living in you know some rural community in the United States, whereas maybe before they lived in you know Atlanta and now they want to live up in the mountains in Tennessee or whatever. It's actually causing people to say, well, you know, if I can live in Tennessee and work remotely, why don't I think about living in, you know, pick your crazy place in the world that maybe it was a a, a National Geographic story you read when you were 12 or something. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen. And then, the, so I'm now you're seeing, we talked about all the consequences, you know. Sure. So you're going to see, if, if for example, with all of a sudden, and it, it, from the article I was reading on Bloomberg, it looks very likely to happen. That you're going to make it so that you can live anywhere on planet Earth as a U.S. and not have to give up your uh, citizenship, which is unfortunately what a lot of these people end up having to do to escape from having to do all the filings. And many of them, it was only like, Julie, I didn't tell you this part, like many of the people that end up living um, in foreign countries and not having any real financial or any kind of tie to the United States, they don't even... Uh, Pay—they don't even earn eighty thousand dollar over eighty thousand, so they're not even paying any taxes anyway. Right. But the problems that they have, and really the the, es- the essence of the uh, argument, wasn't just because millionaires and billionaires are going to somehow try to escape taxes. It was because in your, uh, you know, in France and England and all these countries, if you're a U.S. citizen, they won't allow you to set up banking relationships. Oh, right. So because of the way that the U.S. government works you can't so let's again let's just say you marry somebody and they're you know from you know i'll just use france and you move over to france and you're still a u.s citizen but you're married to a a french uh national um you personally are essentially going to be uh living in the gray area because the fact that you still have a u.s passport
1: that doesn't seem too cool does it it's not fair so so this is you have to finish your thoughts so this is up for discussion now right considering taking that problem away they are and Which is going it, to open the floodgates for exactly. more people? But for more people. Well, there's tons of stories like this. I only picked out my favorite. Well, like for example, <laughs> yeah.
0: just to put the shoe sure. on the other foot. So when we were in Miami recently, mm-hmm. and everywhere you had people from different countries in Central America, mm-hmm. right, you, and even beyond that, in, in you know South America, and all the so they someone from Brazil lives in Miami. Mm-hmm. And same scenario, yeah. they don't have to pay any Brazilian tax. Right. So someone moving from Venezuela, the same thing. So in certain parts of the country, China, for example, how mm-hmm. about this? A Chinese citizen who is absolutely still has their, you know, dark burgundy Chinese passport. Yep. They live anywhere in the United States. They don't have to pay taxes back right. to China if they live in the United States. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy?
1: It is crazy. It needs to be revamped.
0: Yeah. Sounds well, like so we, maybe I, the
1: pandemic is driving some of that.
0: Well, you know. uh, my goodness, yeah. uh, n- not a fully matured thought here, but it's entirely possible because of the pandemic and some of the other things. You're even, you're going to start seeing migration from foreign uh, foreign nationals coming back mm-hmm. to the United States again. Yeah.
1: It's so it's amazing.
0: Um, real estate is all
1: work. of things, uh, fueling the housing market. It's all good.
0: Yeah. So there's a great story about uh, purchasing castles, <laughs> if that's of interest yes. to you. All right. So we're going to move on. By the way, um, again, for those of you who are just tuning in now, this is not our normal podcast. Our normal podcast is much more focused, and <laughs> yeah. you know, on coaching and, this is and in training. In no particular order, however. yeah.
1: I kind of tried to mix up topics so we could switch around.
0: Well, let me yeah, give them. Go ahead. So, uh, just a little quick commercial here. Um, If you guys have not yet downloaded your real estate treasure map, that is what the normal focus of the podcast is going to be for the rest of the year. The podcast is your uh, fill-in-the-blank real estate business and life plan. If you've not yet downloaded your business plan, uh, we are going to give it to you for free. Just text 2021 to 855-685-1045, text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Um, And one of the other things, Julie, I want to talk about on Mm -hmm. our future podcast about predictions. Obviously, predictions are going to be mostly centralized on, um, you know, essentially economic things and uh, opportunities for real estate agents. But we're also going to dig into where the big macro trends are going to be Mm -hmm. because there's some macro trends that are emerging. Again, I think they've been accelerated because of the pandemic. But um, I was uh, reading about all these different – I showed you this article, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, these articles that are these companies that are now developing a, a virtual reality that is going to make it so that you're in essence going to have almost first person experiences and this is being developed initially for professional you know for business reasons and i came so exp realty for example has verbella which is essentially what i'm describing it's a virtual online campus all the you know the buildings are all online you can go to accounting you can go and literally go on a boat on this virtual lake and you know all these things but um i've there's another uh technology company i came across that's incorporating these vr glasses that people wear you know where we may or may not be getting our seven-year-old an oculus for uh, well, christmas we'll see how she does <laughs> for the next two weeks
1: yeah, she said i was turning the whole santa thing on her today and said you know you're gonna get a lot of coal because she was goofing off and you know what she said? She said, "That's okay, Grandma and Grandpa will still send me presents." <laughs> but I'm like, "Alrighty then, we're going to have to escalate here." So, Julie, yes, we we just
0: need to accept the fact that she is she's so there's large. going to be a, a an intelligence divide that happens where at <laughs> some <laughs> yes, point we're just going to have to start paying her to be good.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Well,
0: so I was thinking about like, well, where does this technology go? So if I'm sitting in let's go back to my castle in Devon or whatever, mm-hmm. and I and I'm required to be in these office meetings um, I'm, you know, you can throw me on a speakerphone, or we can do a zoom and that's all great. It's worked out great as sort of a patchwork thing for 2020, but clearly the next move is going to be a, a complete virtual experience. And if you can have a, you know, a virtual experience where you throw on some Oculus or whatever goggles, and you're able to actually have a first person experience, that's almost indistinguishable. It's 99% of the same experience of being in the room. Now, like you listeners, you're thinking you're how is this possible? How is this even practical? Well, if you were to spend a little bit of time studying it, um, like I did with Julie, you would be shocked at how good some of this technology is becoming. Everything is accelerating as far as um, like the virtual experience, but also the technology that's going to be backing it. The software, in essence, is extraordinary. And, you know, introduce this thing we talked about a couple Sundays ago, which I'm really excited about it. And I think excited is an understatement because I really think that the Apple Glass technology that's going to come around, and this is just a rumor, you guys should Google this, but Google Apple Glass. These are glasses that are, in essence, the same overall experience as an Oculus VR situation. Um, you know, when you want it. So you're going to be wearing glasses that look like normal glasses that are indistinguishable from normal glasses. Uh, There's little cameras all around them, but you can barely see them, at least from the renders I found online. And you're going to be able to have, not just like watching a movie while you're sitting on a boring plane flight or something, but you're going to be able to have interactive first person experiences using your Google glasses. Imagine like, for example, your best friend is right now walking to the top of the Eiffel Tower And you can then put on your Apple glass and you can essentially be hearing and feeling, obviously not the same, you know, it's not first person, but it's close, exactly what they're seeing, exactly where they're putting their hands, the whole thing all the way up. Well, you can do that on video, but you're not doing it first person. You're not doing it. It live. You're not doing it such in the way that it's a real natural sharing experience like you would if you did a video conference call or if you did like we when Julie and I were traveling. I'll tell you one of the things I was really surprised by mm. is how many people don't talk on the phone all they do is video calls. Yeah. Like everywhere people were like but they're still looking at their damn phone. Yeah. And so I thought to myself no, studying this Apple Glass thing, I thought well that is something we won't probably be seeing in a year. Mm-hmm. In a year, and here's what's really also funny, in a year you're going to see people that don't have uh need prescription lenses Get they're it. all going to be wearing apple sure. glass right and we're
1: all going to be walking around looking like crazy people talking through our glasses yeah well that's right wondering what each other are looking at and seeing and hearing but you that's know, definitely an evolution. when
0: someone walks past you and yeah. they're talking to themselves because <laughs> of the fact that they are talking on some you know earbud, earbud. or something that's mm-hmm. hidden away in their ear or just whatever you don't even think twice of it no
1: we're we're getting used to all of these things right and I think that's just the next iteration. It's going to be so much better. So that's pretty exciting. But
0: but here's where here's the reason it it excites me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm drawing a full circle here, it's because that's going to put what you and I know is true back in the forefront, which is the ability to communicate one-on-one. And that's so true. you and I basically look at life and look at success in real estate in life, it predicated on your ability to have proactive conversations. Mm-hmm. And let's just again, let's keep it practical for the sake of real estate. And as far as I know, you and I are the only ones that tell agents to learn how to proactively lead generate is the first thing that they should do yes. when they're learning to be professionals, mm-hmm. which no one else does. Everyone else wants you guys to learn to passively lead generate, mostly because they haven't been in the industry for long enough to know to tell you to do anything different. That's really the bottom That's line. True. It, well, it's cultural, but it's also their ignorance. They just don't know yeah. how to do well, it themselves, they so they can't teach it. And
1: they it. haven't had the success of doing it themselves, so they don't really believe that it's possible. So right. why would they coach you to do it? They've that? only
0: come in the air in, in the industry during this, uh, you know, the post Zillow times where everyone's right. buying business, right? Mm-hmm. So they just don't have 25 years of experience, so they don't know. That's it. Fact, Fact. Move on. Okay. Now, the reality of it is, is where there's a real divide in success right now. Is if I talk to you, any of you listeners. And I ask what you do for lead generation, and I listen to how frequently you put yourself in a position to have a real conversation with someone. And if I see if essentially 90% of your um, supposedly generation activities and just activities in general are behind a keyboard doing things digitally, I know that you're going to not have consistent success. You might have an occasional flame up, but for the most part, you're not running a real business. You're basically running a you know a roulette wheel of luck, hoping that you, know, you ran, land on red. At, you know, in other words, you get a lead or something like that. So you don't have a real business. You have yet to develop the business maturity um, to move past some of your issues that you might have with regards to fear. Really, it's really the essence of it. But what you're going to see is, are the the technology is, and this is again trying to make my point here, the technology is going to make real uh, communication front and center again. Whereas the current rendition of technology, texting, for example, mm-hmm. sending emails, for example, doing videos, for example, that's not real communication. Mm-hmm
1: it's not somewhere in, a, in between
0: it's somewhere in between yeah. but it's a half measure yeah so if all of a sudden I'm now I mean I'm looking at my gorgeous wife and I am wearing glasses because I do need a prescription and as is she mm-hmm. but it's very possible Julie that you and I could be you know in different places and we could be having this actual podcast staring at each other as we are sure. right now looking through our glasses mm-hmm. but the difference being in, like it would be indistinguishable where you, whether you are there or not there mm-hmm. that's where the technology is going
1: it's going to be pretty interesting from every, I mean, it can affect every aspect of your life, essentially. If you Right.
0: It. Now think how many realtors aren't going to be prepared for that.
1: Oh, I know. Because, you know, if you're a textaholic, you can kind of hide behind that. Right. And you haven't had to bring your A game necessarily. I'm not saying that across the board. But you know that you have more opportunity to you know do things when you feel like it, and to shoot a text off without anybody seeing you. In but person. it's
0: it's not skills based. It's
1: not skills based, and right? I, I think that that is going to shake up the industry, and it
0: that's works. coming. Those things are supposedly these Google Glass things were supposedly going to be announced 2020, but because they want to do it live, because they knew it's going to revolutionize everything. It's going to be the technical technological revolution that um, really is ripe for it. The industry's ready for it. Again, people walking around staring at their phones, uh, now in the future, everyone's going to be wearing these glasses. And then these glasses in essence are going to have all the functionality of your phone, but also going to have the communication abilities that are going to be in essence, first person. And that's something that intellectually and conceptually, it's even hard for me to express it. So the best way to think of it is the way I described it. I'm wearing glasses. I'm looking at Julie, um, and she's the same back, and we're in the same room. But it's very possible that we could be having what ex- feels to be the exact same experience, even though we might be in different parts of the house, or the state, or the you know the world. That's phenomenal. Now, if you don't have the ability to communicate with your you know pers- your prospective Brazilian buyer as they're wearing their Google glasses, looking at you, looking at them, or you're walking through a house and you look over your shoulder through your your I said Google glasses, you look over your shoulder and your Apple glasses. So you're walking someone through a house, right? and the in when you look through your apple glasses and they're the person that you're walking through is walking right next to you, looking at you through the apple glasses. And as you're walking, you're the one that's physically in the house and you're pointing them to different things that they should be seeing. They're experiencing what you're experiencing firsthand. And I don't know if the, I know for sure that the real estate industry is not ready for that no. because no one's talking about it. We're the only ones that are talking about it. But the reality of it is, is the reason I think people aren't talking about that is because they are do not know how to have first person conversations uh, because they've never had to learn it. And those are going to be... Skills-based. Those are going to be the kind type. It's not just going to be a social conversation. I used the example of a buyer walking through a house. That is mostly a social interaction. But if you're doing, for example, a listing presentation, you're trying to convince somebody why you're worth the commission that you're demanding in order for them to work with you. Well, that's going to be a uh, again a heightened experience. Uh, that's going to be virtually. Uh, the same as sitting across from him at the table. But those sellers, they don't want to sit across from you at the table. They want to go home and they want to put on their Apple glasses and they want to have a first-person interview with you as if you were sitting across the table. But if you don't know how to present, if you don't know how to answer you know all the things that we teach you in our coaching program, you won't survive. That's just a reality. That's going to be a technological shift that it's I think is… going to is, be huge, especially… Is. I don't
1: think it's going to happen instantly because… It's going to come down to ease of use and figuring it out and then widespread adoption of it, right? So that pretty much anybody you're talking to is going to have the ability to use the Apple Glass until that happens. And when it comes out, assuming that it's super rock star like you portray it to be, probably that's going to catch on pretty quickly. And I would imagine that in not too much time, it'll be, it's almost like how our free listing package is. If you're the only one who didn't send it, you're kind of behind, well, so and, and if you sent something that's crappy, you also are behind. This is like the ultimate iteration of the presentation. You better have it together. You better be able to not say, oh, no, I don't present that way.
0: Well, think about it from this perspective also. Mm-hmm. So right now, you are giving me an example of in Austin where you have a fantastic coaching client. What's her mm-hmm, name? Anna. Anna. You can use her last name. Maybe she'll get some referrals. Would she care?
1: No, she. it's my Anna and Kelly Harness Contingency. Okay. They work at Moreland Real Estate. And my example was uh, that they're getting lots and lots of calls from out-of-state You're California. still coaching Kelly Harness? Yeah.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that.
1: When cool. do coaching clients stick around? Yeah, this wow, that's been years. But I, anyway, I put those two together to help each other. Yeah.
0: But but so, for example, in that market, you were giving me an example mm-hmm. of the $20 million. They're like having these buyers yeah. that are popping Super mostly out of California. Right. Yes. They're looking for $20 million properties in Austin, mm-hmm. which is, that's, that's uh, how- the air is rare there yes. and for that price range, mm-hmm. right? and then buy whatever
1: you want pretty much
0: right what well, was hp and all these other businesses tesla and all these other businesses are moving to texas and mm-hmm. as soon as you start talking about taxes in california people are going to start getting pissy with us so we'll avoid that <laughs> right. but the reality of it is is that you are telling me that the what they're experiencing in the upper upper end mm-hmm. are the the buyers do not want anything to do with anyone other than the listing agent
1: yeah, that's right. So, there, I mean, part of this is symptomatic of low inventory. So it's not just Austin. There's, this is a phenomenon that people are going direct to the listing agent because they figure... Well, that's getting... been going
0: on for years. Yeah, but, the, but the...
1: Even, even more so in a market like that. Right. Um, and that there's, because of that, there's not a particular loyalty to a buyer's agent. Um, it's pretty much whoever's got the inventory is going to win, which is very congruent with what we're always coaching you guys to do. Be the listing agent and you're always going to win. But it is an interesting thing, and I think you're trying to relate this to the well,
0: my point was like exactly that. what you're saying it's yeah. going to be harder for right now these seller or these buyers from say California mm-hmm. are you the listing agent aren't you the listing agent if you aren't a listing agent goodbye yeah. so if you're yeah. having an interaction with someone and you're an early adopter for say Apple Glass mm-hmm. and you're having that same conversation whereas that seller or that buyer would have had an easy time just hanging up on you before yeah. I don't mean that in like the rude sense but just essentially acknowledging mm-hmm. the fact yeah. that you're not what they want they wanted the listing agent but you can actually sell yourself through the Apple mm-hmm. Glasses you're going to actually convert more business than the agent that doesn't know how to do it
1: there's so many ways to do that you know you can you can go and do your preview they're not even around they're somewhere else in the world and you can walk through and and differentiate yourself that you're that tuned in but
0: you see how it's going back to sales skills
1: absolutely yeah this is where agents are going to freak out and lose it because they have to adapt now i really there are things about the pandemic and this this whole you know zoom room phenomenon that i like Because I think that the pandemic has fast forwarded lots of agents who never knew how to do a video call have had to learn that. And it's almost, I feel like that's almost a bridge to make them okay with something this radical.
0: Well, so here's the funny thing about that technology. Man, I I didn't even have it as a story we were going to talk about. But here's the funny thing. Mm -hmm. It's not radical. What has everything that's happened prior, these half measures, mm-hmm. the Zoom rooms and the virtual offices and the things, those are the radical things because those are full of compromises. Yeah. And I, I, I want, seriously, Julie, I want you mm-hmm. to think about it. We're standing here looking mm-hmm. at each other. Sure. It, and it, what, from what I've read online, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, these Apple, this Apple glass technology is going to make it indistinguishable yeah. because it's not only just your eyes, it's your ears too.
1: It's the full experience.
0: It's the full experience. Yeah. So if all of a sudden... It's
1: like the holodeck from Star Trek. Exactly. No, totally nerd out, but some of our listeners might have some idea what that is. Oh, they all do. But yeah. Or or even, you know, it's kind of like a hologram that doesn't look like a hologram. It's right. It's that much better. Right.
0: Well, it's not a hologram yeah. because my Apple glasses will have cameras here, here, and here. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be seeing you, mm-hmm. and you're going to be seeing me, and what I'm going to be seeing is what my glasses, what sure. my cameras are... You get what yeah. I'm saying? So, you, it's going to be projecting back. Yeah. So, when you're, you can think from a business perspective how that's going to really create a lot of opportunities. That excites me for those of you who actually are going to learn how to have sales skills. For those of you who've allowed yourself to become bridge trolls you know, where you basically, you know, have just been hiding behind your computers. Out. And now the new, the, essentially the, the demands from uh, consumers are going to be that they want to actually see who they're talking through, talking to. And if you don't know what to say, if you don't know how to say it, if you don't know how to present, that's called full circle, kids. <laughs>
1: that's- yeah. Well, I mean, there's a reason that one of the chapters in the Harris Rules book is to upgrade everything to look at You know, what is the perception? If you want to come off as like an Anna Lee in in Austin that deals with high-end clients, that can handle high-end clients, that can talk the talk, do you look like she looks? Do you speak like she speaks? Or are you kind of tap dancing a lot of the time and, you know, kind of getting by without having to to upgrade everything? And we talk about everything from, you know, uh, how you dress to how you speak, what your car looks like. This is going to fall into that category, I think. Because if you don't adopt this kind of thing, you're you're just gonna you're gonna be the weirdo. But so you're that, not even gonna get the call in the first place. But
0: that's what's fascinating. So yeah. the, the this level of almost one-on-one, firsthand uh, interaction mm-hmm. is going to cause a um, a, a group of people. To separate themselves from the herd because they're going to embrace it fast. Yes. Okay. They're going to start seeing it that what you just said makes sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like I'm Julie and I are hiring right now for our company, and one of the jobs that we're hiring for is a marketing manager, and it's a six figure job, and it's a you know we're getting a lot of you know resumes, and at, after you submit your resume, if you want to apply for it, it's on Indeed.com, and so you then are required to do a video interview, and in other words, you have to go to this other app. It's called I'll tell you what it's called. You guys can even Use it. it can use what is it
1: for it?
0: hiring. I gotta click on it here. It's called Spark Hire. So you I, then you pop over to Spark Hire, and then there's a whole bunch of questions. That we've got prepared you've got 20 seconds to answer maybe it's only 15 seconds to answer each question on the spark hire interview and I look I'm hiring people and I'm obviously trying to judge them by their what they actually can deliver to the company can and they doesn't
1: actually it also give them some time to sort of pitch themselves
0: you know the and questions the, the, the questions I, have yeah do that? The, okay. the questions are basically like give us an example of when you did a marketing ah. thing and it didn't work or what do you think the main function of a those their interview type questions sure. right and so they They're sitting in front of their computer and they're answering, you know, they're being asked these questions. They're giving a limited amount of time. Mm -hmm. They aren't told what the questions are ahead of time, just as if it were a real interview. Okay. Okay? Because it is a real interview. Yeah. And so I'm getting these videos to watch all of them through. It takes like half hour, 45 minutes to watch all of them answering all the questions. But what is really shocking to me is how many of them are showing up to these video interviews that haven't looked like they've bathed in weeks. I mean there yeah, was people shocking.
1: I I watched just a handful of those with you and it's like okay, so this is for a marketing job.
0: Yes, where well, you're, you're supposed to market yourself.
1: Right. That would be, you know, kind of like Paying over a hundred
0: thousand dollars a year.
1: Right. Yeah. Get out of your jammies, people.
0: Seriously, there was a dude in his jammies. I mean A dude it,
1: in his jammies. Well
0: look, they may not have been his jammies, but let me just okay. put it this way. It was not age appropriate. For no. a guy who was probably at least Didn't 30. Didn't look
1: good for an interview.
0: No. And there's other people who had like underwear sitting on couches and stuff in the back there. It's like, what the hell? the favorite
1: hell? one was the window air conditioner and
0: the duct tape. Yeah, right. Just sitting over her shoulder, there's a window air conditioner that was being held to a window with what looked like about 1,000 pounds of uh, you know duct tape. That's the background she chooses to have for an interview for a job paying over six figures. Now... And it wasn't just, you know, it was virtually all of these. And this is a sweet job. And you know, it was virtually all of these. It was home based. We, you you know, and we're great people to work with. We'll give you all kinds of well, autonomy. I really
1: understand home based, but there's home based, like, what do you, the, the troll bridge dwellers. Yes. Okay? And then there's like home based, have it together.
0: Well, then we stumbled across some people that applied for the job that had the skill set. Actually took the time to make themselves look and nicer, every- made sure that there was no dirty underwear in their background, oh, and know. and did and did the whole thing, and actually spent some yeah. time at it. And I just thought to myself, mm-hmm. how insane is it that those other people didn't think that stuff mattered?
1: Yeah. Well, so your and overall it, and, point, though, is that and it wasn't sh- an age thing either. No, no, no. no. There was plenty of There's older of that. people
0: that looked no. like bridge trolls. There were younger people that looked like bridges. absolutely. Right. It's not
1: a- about that, but I think the point you're making here is at least in these cases with these interviews that are on video, there were two or three that clearly stood out as having thought it through, they understood what they were applying for, they took some time to get it together, they worked on their presentation, they could put a sentence together, the, and it was so obvious versus everyone else, and I think that what you're talking about. Well, they, about they is didn't. Go the same they didn't way. have
0: a presentation because they weren't you know given I mean. the questions ahead of time. But they themselves were, uh, you polished. know,
1: polished. Polished. Yeah, not, that's what but, I'm trying to say. But
0: again, not even not even polished in the sense that they've been practicing to be interviewed. No, but just. They cleaned themselves up, like as a and human. They college. thought about what will the <laughs> yeah. experience be, and so yeah. my takeaway from that experience, and we're going through right now, and we're going to be doing a lot of hiring in the next ninety to one hundred and twenty days for our company. But my uh, takeaway from that was, how is it again? Where is this psychological disconnect? This cultural disconnect between how you look, how you present, how you just why are you why are you Mister Person who is applying for this job? Not taking into consideration the things that are the base core root elements that everyone should be taking into consideration. What yeah. world do you live on that you think that that's how you should present yourself for an interview? And I think to myself, even if this person said the most brilliant stuff ever, if this is how they run their lives yeah, and, really I'm, and I'm literally looking right into essentially the environment in which they look, yeah. I, no way in hell I'm going to hire them.
1: No basic stuff yeah you know some of it is conscious and some of it is subconscious too you know i always think when we have these discussions about this i always think about like you hire a personal trainer and you're both consciously and subconsciously kind of summing them up like do they look like they're in shape do they look like they've ever been trained or is this kind of like their side hustle you know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. It's kind of the same thing, only, you know, on a business level.
0: Now, so why are we telling you all this? Because we are trying to explain to you that to be successful in this industry right now, when essentially all ships are rising, <laughs> just almost like there's a global tsunami and all ships are rising because there's, you know, incredible opportunity. The way you differentiate yourself is, are these tiny little things that you should be doing anyway, yes. you know? This And we talk about this in Harris Rules. Julie mentioned it, upgrading everything. Great time of year, not just to be reading Harris Rules, which is available everywhere, you know, real bookstores and online. It's um, still cheapest on Amazon, by the way, I checked. You know, we should read some of the Harris Rules reviews. Some of them are funny. They're great. Yeah, we have over 400 five-star reviews. Get the book; it's available in Audible form as well. The guy that the publisher hired to read the book—oh my gosh, it's fantastic! He's Definitely awesome. get this book. Yeah. But if you're wanting to know how do I differentiate myself in the marketplace? It's these tiny little things that our subconscious brains use to value or use to judge somebody else. If someone's a professional, especially with what we're hiring for now, and they themselves can't market themselves for the sake of getting the job in the first place, why would I ever expect anything fantastic out of them after I'm paying them?
1: And don't you think every homeowner seller in the world would have exactly the same thought process exactly. when interviewing a listing agent? Right. Whether that's over Google Glass or Live, they're, gonna, they're still going to have that same filter.
0: So if, you, if you're a brand new agent or if you're somebody that wants to take your business to the next level, the very simplest of things you can do are what we've just been talking about that will give you an unfair advantage if your competitors are for some reason following the current zeitgeist of looking like a bridge troll. I mean, there's no other way to summarize <laughs> exactly. it, right? Okay, so moving on, <laughs> talking about um,
1: choose your story. There's okay. Let's
0: there. do another real estate one, then we'll go back to some of these right. other zany ones you found. <laughs> I'm just wondering if people this are one's listening. like people listening right now. You know, we have thousands of listeners. So I wonder if they're going like, "Oh my God, these people need more downtime. Weirdos. Yep. All right, this this yeah. Well, we are weirdos. <laughs> it's all right. We can you can't be us and not be a weirdo. No.
1: So here in other housing, this is kind of a um, a side thing that I'm following just for interest sake. Yeah. Uh, this is a different website called priceypads.com that has lots of beautiful and interesting houses and pictures. 27,000 square foot Lake Tahoe mansion has a replica of the Titanic staircase. So that's different, right? It's been seven years since it was, uh, since one of the most extravagant custom homes is sold. It's known as Tranquility. It was built in the year 2000 by Tommy Hilfiger, co-founder Joel Horowitz, on a substantial 210-acre estate. Uh, So the main staircase is modeled after the grand staircase from the Titanic. The architects were actually flown to Ireland to examine the Titanic's original blueprints and replicate specific details so the titanic
0: was built in ireland that's where yes still to this day the biggest ships are still built
1: there's a cigar lounge model modeled after new york's saint regis hotel a two-story library indoor pool elegant theater uh, it was listed for a hundred million and eventually sold in 2013 for 48 million i thought that was interesting too because we talk a lot about high end well we have coaching price clients changes, price range, but, but look at the difference okay so they wanted a 100 they sold it for 48. How many agents would be like, oh, God, I can't even present that. Julie, off. look at
0: these pictures.
1: It's incredible. This
0: is insane.
1: That's in Lake Tahoe.
0: Yeah. Well, so Lake Tahoe, there's Lake Tahoe, California, and there's Lake Tahoe on the Nevada side. And where the market's taking off. And so I don't know if you know this. Do you mm-hmm. have any personal clients in Reno? In that Lake uh, I Tahoe don't area? Think so right now. Well, I did. matter of fact. I would it's assume it's the-, the
1: Nevada side that's...
0: The number one agent in uh, Lake Tahoe was a coaching client. Do you know I that? Remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and we coached him. So anyway, his uh, I learned a lot about the market through him, mm-hmm. and a lot of Lake Tahoe. So Lake Tahoe itself, like you remember the original um, Godfather? Yeah. Okay, that was in Lake Tahoe. And yeah. And so that area of Lake Tahoe was Mm -hmm. actually a dead market Mm. for the longest Mm -hmm. time. It was too far away. All these other. So in, I think it was probably maybe around 2000. No, it wasn't 13. It was after that. It was probably 2018, 2019. Mm -hmm. That area had then started taking off again. Mm. And guess who was being bought by? People leaving California. Yeah yeah exactly. that's so that's yeah. that's a trend that's continuing to happen mm-hmm. um and again that's a, and just making this real estate related and trying to stay out of the politics and whatnot yeah. and julie and i are still scrolling looking at these pictures <laughs> it's like we're such real estate junkies I aren't know, we but you
1: know i like it gives you ideas and helps you think big. look at that indoor pool that's amazing i was
0: more looking at the wine collection this is good too yeah Hopefully that's it's good
1: next well maybe not too close to the indoor pool <laughs> <laughs> for, your own, <laughs> for your own good but fantastic yeah just beautiful
0: So like when you look at, for example, big trends that are happening and you kind of like if you take off the political filter and you look at them for what they are, there is going to be a continued increase in migration from tax, high tax states, especially to lower tax states. And it always starts with the highest in remember, you guys, we were talking about inflation before. And we're talking about how nobody really pays attention because it's just essentially only things that rich people deal with. Well, guess what? Now you're going to start seeing inflation creep into consumer items, which includes food, which includes, you know, fuel. And then they're going to raise your property taxes and then all your other da 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 da. So say someone, for example, in California, earning $120,000 or $150,000 for the family of four, they're then going to say, you know what? If I were to move out of California, I can save this. If I were to move just one state over to, you know, to Nevada, this is what I can save. Or move over to Texas. And so these are the other types of trends from a real estate perspective that you should consider, because these types of trends, once they start, they don't stop. And now you have these huge employers that are leaving California. That's a trend that's been going on forever, moving to uh, Texas. But now it's happening even more so with even bigger country, uh, bigger companies. Um, You know, Elon moving to Austin, for example, big surprise there. Yeah, it's huge. But now he's, guess what? He's uh, Did you guys know that the big, huge, kind of hideous uh, Tesla truck that's going to be made in Texas near Houston, if I remember correctly? He's moving his battery factories there. there. Okay, well, that's just one company. No, it's like a thousand because think of all the businesses that are, um, you know, were essentially situated around where tesla was just for the sake of serving tesla i'm you can even start the most basic thing the food trucks right but then you can expand from there how many different just every single Possible business that was, uh, you know, someone was entrepreneurial. They realized that Tesla's battery factory needed to have a special kind of coating made for their battery. I'm just making stuff up here and I might as well open my facility near Tesla. Well, Tesla then moves to Texas. Guess what I'm doing? I'm moving to Texas too. And there goes the more you know, essentially, obviously. Uh, the housing demand is going to go through the roof and that's what we're seeing in these marketplaces Well, I,
1: even here puerto rico there's so many people moving here we have actually almost achieved zero inventory yeah it's where crazy. we are where and, we are in dorado
0: yeah. yeah i mean there's six supposedly 600 families that want to move to where julie and i live in dorado and the houses are now doubling every year in value not all houses but some of them are um, and because there's obviously not enough inventory and there's not enough construction going on it's very the houses where we live are they're difficult to build because you have to build houses that are going to be storm proof. And so you build these concrete, the walls and the ceilings in these houses are made of uh, seven inch poured concrete and you have to elevate the house. So like when you build a house in, where we live, I don't even know how much earth that they have to put underneath yeah. the house why because during maria there was flooding in the lowlands so if you don't build your house up and if you don't build it out, of, you make it bomb proof basically you can't even get permits to build the house so a new construction home here not even a huge one is going to take two or three years maybe four years from planning stages to completion so that means there is not going to be a big building boom where we live but in other parts of the country there is going to be so again another <laughs> well, mega speaking trend of which there's still oh, yes. all the
1: interesting things happening you and, up. thank you it was very good uh, great stuff happening in California, and I, I put this in here as an example of thinking big, right? Mid, mid-century modern spec house in Malibu to list for $115 million. That's a spec home.
0: No, but look at the title. Known as case study number two, Yes. that's the name of the house. The massive Southern California home features 133, 33, 100 features, uh, what?
1: 133 home? foot by 33 foot infinity pool, which means right. it's going to be long and skinny. Infinity pool, and these pictures are really beautiful as well. Ultra luxury mid century modern spec house known as case study number two in Scott Gillen's 24 acre five home development on the Malibu Bluffs, coming onto the market this week for $115 million. It's a minimalist house that will be completed next year. Talk about, you know, so for those of you who uh, don't know, a spec home is something that a builder builds, speculating that there will be a buyer for it. This is not built for someone. This is a builder saying, you know what, I'm going to build five homes up there, and I'm going to make them incredible, and they'll come. And, so, and there was one that just sold.
0: Where we are focusing uh, just on today's show, not in general, but in today's show, on more expensive real estate. Why? Because that's where the market trends start. When you start seeing uh, essentially migration trends, they always start at the high end and they work their way down. When you see a market heating up, it always starts at the high end and works its way down.
1: And don't you think it's interesting that there's so many people that are comfortable you know, doing these types of things in that super high end, I think it's really interesting to watch.
0: Well, again, it has a lot of it has to do with people saying, "Well, where am I going to put my Anywhere. money?" Mm-hmm. Right, but someone yeah. buying a hundred and fifteen million dollar house—that's <laughs> a billionaire, a multi-billionaire. I should
1: hope so. And this yeah. is
0: house five or six.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: and they'll probably yeah. be living it for fifteen minutes, and then they'll go back to house sure. four and two. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so um, here, let me. Are you up to your uh, Santa story? I think we've we'll read, got... oh, no, this one's hilarious. This, this one's hilarious. i got
1: some some Christmas stuff sprinkled in.
0: You, no, you know what? Let's do the Christmas one so we can round the bend so we can keep it festive. This story was really oh. cool. <laughs> this one's crazy. All right. So we like to uh, shock you guys with stories that are irreverent. Well, I mean, on Sunday all the time. We always like we try. a little
1: alien something here or there. Yeah, we
0: like the alien stories just because it makes people think we're nuts. And we love reading reviews, frankly, of our podcast, after we've talked about aliens.
1: <laughs> and it makes for interesting titles. Because people,
0: people are – it's, it it's like if people uh, have only listened to one podcast and Julie and I were talking about aliens mostly to entertain ourselves, <laughs> and then they in the you can tell they're not regular listeners and they give us their re- review of the go – how the hell is this couple so you know successful? How are they so famous in real estate coaching? They're bad shit crazy. I mean, some of the reviews I've read after we've done stories like this, actually. We, we
1: try to warn you. They're
0: this. my favorite reviews, though. I
1: know. The, the ones best. where
0: they think we're nuts.
1: Well, so there may be aliens among us. Scientists are studying the Caribbean reef octopus, which, incidentally, Tim, is like right off of our neighborhood coast here. Uh, But we probably wouldn't know it because they're so good at hiding. It's an absolute master of disguise, one of the most intelligent known invertebrates. Individuals of the species completely change their color from one moment to the next. And it's not just color. They also blend with their surroundings, but they can change the texture of their skin. So they can appear to have the same topography of like coral or what have you. Scientists are interested in them because uh, I can't remember if it's Chromo, I think it's chromosomes. Normal humans have twenty three. Well, These that, things have five hundred.
0: What you just said was mm-hmm. interesting, but not the real story. Because people know that about octopuses. Everyone knows that they're super smart, and like maybe human level intelligence, if not more okay. so.
1: Ramping right into that.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs>
1: That's okay. But they, the scientists are interested because they have so much more DNA and so many more chromosomes than humans. Than humans do. Like uh, I think it's like we have twenty three, and they have over five hundred. And that allows them to do these types of things up, and they're so good at transforming that they can actually look like another animal.
0: So, like you guys have heard of Twenty Three and Me, the thing that tracks your DNA—you know, basically takes your DNA and tells you who your ancestral relatives are and your maybe some health stuff and whatnot. Well, if you were an octopus, it would be five hundred in me.
1: Yeah, they're going to be pretty busy with that. <laughs> right. So, so they're you... studying them, and and some people have speculated that maybe they have alien DNA because they're so unusual and so different in the animal world.
0: All right, give I put up your. T- Talking points. Are they? Did you already uh, talk these about are, all these? Yeah, you
1: already talked about all these. I've, we covered most of that, so that's pretty interesting. There's lots of videos and things that you can watch about the Caribbean reef octopus, and Zoe's um, camp counselor has seen these before, and she's told me that when she sees them, they're always. She knows what she's looking for because she's a marine girl, right? Yep. But she's seen orange ones. And she's seen some that just look like the coral. And the only reason you'd know them is because you can see their eyeballs. Like so, I would probably wouldn't notice it, but she knows what she's looking at.
0: Uh, yeah. And so you're not, na- so octopus natural defense. If you're, if it thinks you're attacking it is to throw some ink on you, your natural defense, if you were to see one of those, it's to, it's to, is to leave, it's to leave in a flood of urine.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Octopi- not quite the same, but the same reaction. You have
0: the same reaction to the octopus. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Because it says point number five, Caribbean reef octopuses use their web-like art seven rows of teeth and suckers to catch prey
1: yes i've been warned not to touch them so (laughs) kind of goes without saying i mean seriously now that we know they have seven rows of teeth i'm especially not touching them are
0: you really right but are you really going to go up and pet that thing zoe would zoe would yeah definitely Mm -hmm. that's spikes on max would max would want to play with it. our french bulldog yeah so that's 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 a fun story
1: unrelated to anything real estate but i guess okay so i think you
0: digress is what you meant to say yes. yes We digress all the time on Sundays. Do
1: the leg story.
0: Leg story? Uh, Go up, I think. Is this about sex dolls again? You
1: wish. (laughs) Uh, let's do see. I
0: well that was weird <laughs>
1: 40 now hold on
0: we have to talk about sex dolls since you just
1: basically well, we threw it back we were talking me. about the 40 foot leg lamp Isn't no so copies? it was a
0: po- it was a Sunday podcast right, it was we should ba- explain yeah. yes Sunday podcast about uh, it was back in April and we were talking about all the businesses that are doing good from the pandemic mm-hmm. and I brought to the podcast a story I just read on Bloomberg News that essentially the sex doll industry from people being isolated was going through the roof so I read the story just like sort of I just shared it with all of you and Julie just didn't even blank so my desired yeah. reaction which was to cause <laughs> her trying. to be exacerbated on the podcast no, did not work I'm
1: just too used to you That's right it
0: is. you are all but, right so this is a good story
1: so some of you i'm bringing some christmas stuff in here if you haven't watched a christmas story it is a hilarious awesome movie uh okay so part of it is the leg lamp and there's a major award is what the leg lamp is in this <laughs> oklahoma so uh let's see a leg lamp, only it's 40 feet tall, very much like the one that became famous from the movie A Christmas Story, except this one's 40 feet tall. It's displayed as part of the annual Festival of Lights in Chickasha, Oklahoma, 40 miles southwest of Oklahoma City. The idea is the brainchild of a local economic council official trying to get people to come to Chickasha, Oklahoma.
0: Now, that's see, uh, that's that is a yeah, brilliant idea. It is.
1: It's hilarious.
0: Well, so it doesn't go on to explain. So in yeah. the movie, basically, the dad is a salesperson. You say they
1: even have the box. I know, it says
0: Fragile. Fragile. Remember, he didn't know how to pronounce it. because yes. It's it was, Italian. It's so. Italian, yeah. So he, he basically is a salesperson, and he wins some big sales award, which he doesn't know what it is. And so during the whole movie, there's this undercurrent, the subplot of him waiting for this box to arrive with his big present or his big gift big that he's going to surprise all of his family with. So when this, actually, now I'm thinking about it, he actually did know what it was. He just didn't tell his wife. Yeah. So this, like thing, this thing shows up in this big box. It says fragile on the outside. But because he knew it was some sort of fancy European something or another, he pronounced it fragile. He didn't, you know, it was part of the, it was funny. So he opens this box and he pulls out this, big huge horrendous leg lamp where the the base of the lamp is a leg and you guys could you know again watch the movie it really is funny and anyway that was where this all came from so
1: (laughs) yes if you're anywhere near near uh oklahoma it might be a nice little do you know that movie was made in
0: the 80s right no it was made in the 90s wasn't
1: it i think i don't have to look that up but it was about the 50s or so anybody that grew up in that era is a big fan of it um, speaking of Christmas things, NORAD Santa Tracker has returned for its 65th year, and Zoe was immediately putting that app on her phone. Yep. Uh, so, for those of you who have kiddos, you can install the Santa Tracker app by NORAD. Uh, let's see, it launched its website that let vit- visitors track St. Nicholas around the world. For 65 years, they've been doing this, so it's pretty exciting. And it, it has little snippets about what Santa's well, doing. He's repairing his sleigh. Right, over but here. so that's
0: what I didn't know. So I was watching yeah. this app, and Zoe said, Dad, um, uh, Santa is in, where did she say, Minneapolis or yeah. Wisconsin or something? Mm-hmm. And I and I said no, Zoe. Santa does not leave the North Pole until Christmas Eve when he's going to be delivering presents. And she goes, no, Dad. I no, and she calls she calls me Dada. She goes, no, Dada. I've got the you know the, the Santa tracker right here. And she Julie give, you know she's using one of Julie's old iPhones and then she shows literally that Santa is camped out in Wisconsin. And then you click on it and it says he's getting his sleigh fixed. And then, and then she then shows me the other places he'd been. So evidently, oh, did you see he was in China someplace?
1: Yeah, and India too. I and forget what he was doing there. but
0: it, it said he was like buying toys or something. Oh,
1: yeah. Which we, I was like, how is he buying toys? And so she had an explanation for that. And she's like, well, maybe he's buying the supplies he needs. Yeah, so
0: we ran with that.
1: So, yeah. Disaster, <laughs> so, now, all of this mind you on one of my i think that's like an iphone 6 or something yeah that she found from one of our moving boxes here that had been dead for like a year and she just she brought it back she to life just on her own plugs it in brings it back to life guesses my passcode <laughs> from my other phone um and has all these the only thing she doesn't have is a sim card so she can facetime us she, it was shocking like remember when we were on a walk first time she called us yeah what is this? So be careful, guys. Be careful.
0: Little children yes. are smarter than you think. But anyway, this NORAD Santa Tracker is a really hilarious thing. Um, it's pretty awesome. Because I, I did screw around with it a little bit. I mean, let's look at some of these pictures just because it is funny. Uh, holy crap. Is that really NORAD? Yeah. No, that no, really is. No, it
1: seriously is done by North, what is it called?
0: Strategic, def- I don't remember what it stands for. Air it, defense. It's at. Oh, the American Air Force. Hold defense, on. This really is done by NORAD. Yes. <laughs> Unlimited in the NORAD Santa Track Center and the Peterson Air Force Base in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Okay, now now I have a problem with it. These guys need to be watching, you know, Santa's missiles. Santa's real. Okay. So I'm, just well, I'm not saying Santa's not real. What I'm, suggest, what I'm suggesting is that maybe it's a good idea that these um, festive NORAD people maybe stay focused on their yeah. primary job. Because, yeah, all right. Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. All right, so this is called the NORAD Track Santa uh, Operations Center Playbook.
1: This is a real thing, next to a real headset. Yes, a sample conversation, key messages and discussion starters.
0: Common questions and answers, 2019 program contributors, uh, country tracking sheet, germs tracking, games tracking. Oh, it's blurry. Yeah, Yeah. and so the, the optics for the app are actually really awesome too. Because it looks like basically they're tracking, which you know what? Now that I'm looking more at this, they actually might be. looks like they're tracking him from a satellite. Yeah. Okay. That is amazing. Can you imagine having that as a little kid?
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I'd like to have that job managing Norad Santa Tracker.
0: So the question is, is how long can we keep Zoe? I know.
1: Okay. So here, there's one little, I'm not going to read all 14 facts from that, but since it is that time of year, and many of you, like us, are Charlie Brown Christmas fans. Um, <laughs> some little-known facts, and I wanted to make sure I got this right. Let's go down to the facts here. Uh, let's see.
0: They're all... Which one are you looking for?
1: Um, okay. So they had a hard time animating it, but here's, here's an example of too soon to tell. Okay. okay? So uh, Charlie Brown Christmas almost got scrapped by Coke. They were one of the investors. Um, they, let's see, the agency behind Coke paid him a visit midway through production without hearing the music or even seeing the animation. The ad man thought it looked disastrous and cautioned that if he shared his thoughts with Coca-Cola, they'd pull the plug. Uh, but he didn't. He kept his opinion to himself. Even CBS, the, the uh, TV channel... Uh, hated Charlie Brown Christmas. They were toiling about the special for six months. They screened it for CBS executives just three weeks before it was set. The mood in the room was less than enthusiastic. The network found it slow and lacking in energy. Uh, Talking about not being interested in any more specials. To add insult, somebody even misspelled Schultz's last name, Um, but point number 11 is the facts. Again, evidence of saying it's too soon to tell. Half of the country watched a Charlie Brown Christmas. Viewers weren't nearly as cynical about Charlie Brown's holiday was as his corporate benefactors. Preempting a 7.30 Eastern episode of The Munsters. remember The Munsters? (laughs) No. I do. Uh, My brother liked to watch it. Okay. Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas pulled a 50 share, which means half of all households with the television turned on were watching it. That amounted (laughs) to roughly 15 million people behind only the show Bonanza. Well,
0: stop there for a second. So this was in 1950. What? Um,
1: when was Whatever it was, sixty-five.
0: Sixty-five. But I want you to think about that. Half of all the so there are fifteen million TVs in the United States.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so and that was well, only, that's
1: that's half. So right, but listen.
0: Million. So yep. there are thirty million. Right. Yep. But right now there's over three hundred and fifty million people yep. in the United States. How many of those people do not have a screen? All of them have a screen, a yeah. phone. I mean, Absolutely. some of them obviously don't. But just to think that in 65, there were only 30 million people that had TV. Yeah. And now there's over 300 million and, people. And
1: I guarantee you, all of those people only had one TV back then. Isn't that amazing? Uh, to think but about? also interesting that aluminum Christmas trees were marketed in 1950. Well, read the
0: title A Charlie Brown Christmas uh, killed aluminum uh, tree sales.
1: Yes, yeah, so they had, had very strong sales. Uh, by eliminating pesky needles and tree sap, but the annual airings of a Charlie Brown Christmas swayed public thinking. In the special, Charlie Brown refuses to get a fake tree. Viewers began to do the same, and the product was virtually phased out by 1969. The leftovers are now collector's items. So you know what this tells me? Consequence
0: is big. Fake tree uh, yeah. corporations tried to kill Charlie. They're <laughs> exactly. manipulating. You know, that's how modern conspiracy I know. people. So
1: it's just interesting. Yeah, there's more you guys can read if you want to. But what in
0: 2015, the voice of Charlie Brown was arrested. <laughs> Peter Robbins continued voicing Charlie Brown until he turned 13 years old, at which point puberty <laughs> prohibited from uh, continuing. In November 2015, the 59-year-old Robbins pleaded guilty for making criminal threats against a mobile home park manager and sheriff. According to CBS News, the troubled former actor claimed schizophrenia and bipolar disorder led him to make the threats. He was sentenced for four years, eight months in prison. I mean, That's maybe I terrible. shouldn't have read that point. <laughs> That's kind of depressing. Yeah, Poor guy. But
1: anyway, the, the point is that... It, what the Charlie Brown Christmas has turned into is not how it started. So I thought that was a very interesting case.
0: Well, it is. It is fantastic.
1: It is. Now, we want to round out the show. With
0: something that's a bit yeah. of a miracle, I have to say. This is amazing. Julie and I start... Actually, Julie, and no one listening to us for you will be surprised yeah. by this, who is, you know, she's queen I'm nerd really here. nerd ball. Yes, yeah, she is. But she's the one that told me about this. And if you guys don't know about what's happening right now... Um, This is extraordinary. And this is where where, where we should lead today's show. But before we get to the final point, if Um, you've not downloaded your 2021 business plan yet, please just go ahead and text 2021 to 855-685-1045. 855-685-1045. Go ahead and do that now. Text 2021 to 855-685-1045. By the way, Julie, uh, one of the comments was that uh, people were asking why we don't have more commercials on our podcast oh, yes. and I'll tell you why because I hate listening to them and I'd even hate saying them more so the only I mean I don't want to talk no. about Helix Sleep and Blue Chew I there's tons of them we could do but yeah well they, we could and you know we might be tempted to but for now we're just going to keep it to commercials for our products yes I think that's the best way to do it so just text 2021 to 855-685-1045 and if you don't then the next thing we're going to start doing is commercials for uh, things that have absolutely nothing 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 to do with anything. But just because, for fun. Just for fun. ourselves. <laughs> exactly. All right, so here it is. I'll read the title and Jules can get into the details. Yeah. rare Christmas star will appear in the sky for first time in 800 years. So since before the United States was actually the United States. I mean, 800 years ago. A rare conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn will make them look like a single point of light in the sky on December 21st that hasn't been seen since the Middle Ages.
1: And you actually noticed this. We were driving Mom and home. I did. Uh, yes, from uh, taking Zoya so to a... Uh, a beach restaurant yeah. we're on the way home and you guys both noticed cuz you can already see them starting to get close to each other and they're super bright My
0: mom lives with us in case listeners don't yes. know what I'm talking about So
1: this is Jupiter and Saturn Jupiter is the brighter one uh let's see So 4 days before Christmas the sky will offer a sight that hasn't been seen since the middle ages and may have inspired one of the Bible's most famous stories The two largest planets in the solar system, Jupiter and Saturn, will be so close to one another in the sky on December 21st that they will appear to be fused together in a single point of light. The last time uh, this is believed to have been witnessed was in the year 1226, according to Michael Shanahan, the director of Liberty Science Center and Planetarium in New Jersey. The interesting thing about these long cycles in astronomy is that they come back at a very different epochs of human history. Shanahan told to today. The event happened in the Middle Ages in 1226 occurred before dawn, so there was about an hour and a half before the sun rose and you could see it. The last time astronomers believe was possibly visible since then was in 1623, but it occurred right at sunset and there's no record of anybody actually noticing it. There's also been speculation that the conjunction of the planets formed the Christmas star or the star of Bethlehem that the three wise men in the nativity story in the Bible were thought to have seen that inspired them ultimately to travel to Bethlehem for the birth of Jesus. So this is pretty interesting, and people also have had some thoughts about 2020, that this is an inspiration to end the year. One possibility is that these two planets did join together in seven BC, this is the best part, I think, about a year before the earliest possible time of the birth of Jesus, so that it could have been a conjunction of the two planets. If the wise men were, as we think, in fact astrologers, that could have been the thing they saw in 7 BC and said, oh, there's a big event happening. Let's go to Bethlehem and check it out. Alignments between Jupiter and Saturn occur about every 20 years, but normally they're no closer than the width of two full moons. On December 21st, they will appear, emphasis on appear, as the planets are still millions of miles away from each other, just a 10th of a degree apart, which is about the thickness of a dime held at arm's length, according to NASA. The two planets will appear close in the sky for the whole month, as you and I have already observed, which people can see by looking southwest just after sunset, NASA astronomer said in his email. For people to see it in a few times during this period, it's a great chance to see the motions of the planets. You can imagine Jupiter and Saturn as runners on a track. Jupiter's moving faster and looking from one night to the next, people will be able to see Jupiter approaching and then passing Saturn in their paths around the Sun. He had some tips for the best way to view on the uh, December 21st, which is the winter solstice, meaning it's the shortest day of the year in terms of sunlight in the northern hemisphere. Make sure you have a view to the southwest unobstructed by trees or buildings for a little over an hour after sunset. Viewers will also have to hope for clear weather on that night. If you don't want to miss it, as Jupiter and Saturn will not appear this close in the sky until 2080. So get out there and see it, guys. This is all according to NASA. And as we said, you can already see this. It's very clear. As long as you're looking southwest right after the sun sets, yep. you, sh- you should be. You should not have trouble seeing it unless it's cloudy.
0: Well, or at least you live in a city where there's too much light pollution and you're not going to be yeah. able to see the I stars. I mean, go on
1: a drive. I think it's worth, and and I think it's especially special being that it's the winter solstice. It's near Christmas. It's the 21st. So yeah,
0: it is kind of you were saying this. It is kind of an interesting way to end 2020, right? Yeah. Having something that hasn't happened really since for you know 800 yeah. years. That is kind of an amazing thing. This has been a really amazing it's, year. Absolutely. Yeah, and i I really am incredibly excited and optimistic about certainly the next three years, but certainly the next five years from a perspective of sure. all of our podcast listeners. Um, so listen, guys, it is our pleasure and our honor to certainly have all of you be podcast fans um, and coaching clients. It's our honor to be your real estate coaches. We really, truly appreciate that and take it. I think all of you guys, I don't have to sell this to you. You already know. We take it incredibly seriously. We're always looking to improve what we're offering. I mean, I already told you we're hiring a bunch of new people. We're hiring people to help Everything, every aspect of your real estate business and personal life. Julie and I are always thinking about all of you guys. What can we do to make your lives better? Because we realize that our highest and truest uh, purpose on this planet is to be of service to other people. Notice I said this planet, sort of insinuating that who knows, right? Who knows, right? Right. Uh, I mean, if Elon Musk has his way, we might all be living on Mars. It's too soon to tell. It is. Absolutely. After 2020, you can't write anything off.
1: No, absolutely not. Somebody (laughs) said... Uh, just wait until 2020 turns 21 and is able to drink. Then, <laughs> then we're really in for it, right? Hopefully not. I'm That's just awesome. joking. That's actually awesome. I think there's going to be a lot of 2020 humor that comes to light as we round out the year.
0: Oh, you know what? One thing we didn't talk about, which we sh- actually, this is really a, a great way to end it. This oh, one right I know here. you're going to. I yeah, this it. one right here. So um, again, we won't be political. No matter how many of you guys uh, right try to pull us into politics, we will never do it. Julie and I, Republicans, we're both. Yeah, and that's of all. Good news. And th- so here's how we're going to end all of this. Um, coronavirus live updates: Vaccine doses are shipping to all 50 states with deliver uh, with delivery expected Monday. So look, politics aside the government did say we'd have a vaccine by the end of the year, something that's really never been done. There's never been a vaccine. Hey guys, is there a vaccine for the common cold? No, there is not. It, so there's never been a vaccine that's actually been created this fast. And it, this is extraordinary. Again, this goes, so just rounding around, going around the bend here, now that there's been a vaccine that's been essentially produced in a record amount of time, don't you think the expectations going forward for other things with regards to Uh, you know cures is going to completely change and why did this vaccine get created so fast it got created so fast because all efforts were pointed towards creating this vaccine bureaucracy was set aside regulation was you know basically made lighter people and businesses government and businesses partnered to create a vaccine it's the
1: definition of focus follow one course until successful right they did
0: Right. And this is in essence the miracle of twenty twenty. I agree. And you and I talked about that since the damn thing, you know, we call it the a hole virus <laughs> hit in, you know, February. That if this happened, that nothing really was going to come back to feeling normal in any real meaningful ways, uh until there was a vaccine and if you guys were and many of you were tens of thousands of you do we we're you know we we're saying how is it that anything will actually really truly recover until the vaccines in our rear view and you know Julie and I just got back from Miami and let me tell you we've been yeah, traveling all of our adult lives and traveling in mm-hmm. and during the era of COVID even to a really festive really you know gratuitous area like Miami not the same mm-hmm. we were driving around with friends there and they were taking us to different hot spots you know where there's usually so many people on the streets even you know not for any particular just because it's Wednesday right that they said because of COVID the tourists aren't coming anymore and we could drive wherever we wanted to go walk wherever we wanted to go and so for and and when Julie and I were walking around it was in this area where we're staying there's probably every fourth or fifth business was out of business that you know the hotels were so when all that is in the rear view when people start returning and feeling free again we were expecting, and we are now definitely seeing proof that where our theory was is correct, you're going to not just see a little bit of a rebound in the economy. You're going to see an absolute resurgence because people are going to want to celebrate life. Like if you're asking why people are buying their houses, and you're at, and, and, and I'm a car nerd, and you're seeing car values go through the roof as well, it's because people are buying things because you only live once and you're dead a real long time. Now, are they, ver- are they verbalizing it like that? No, they're not. But it is a natural it, when you're essentially being um, told to, you know, live in your house, don't leave, travel restrictions here in Puerto Rico. There's curfews and there's all these. You know, I got you know shouted out by a mask hole yesterday just because I wasn't my, wearing my mask correctly. I get all of it. But when all of that is in our rear view, when people now are starting to feel free again, when they're they're going to celebrate life, and I mean that in the literal sense, like never before. So, Jules, do you want to read the article?
1: Yes. All right, so this is the vaccine article. The US government, with support of FedEx and UPS, has begun the enormous logistical undertaking of delivering millions of vaccine doses across the country. Trucks containing the first packages of the vaccine are leaving Pfizer's facility in Michigan today, with delivery expected on Monday to sites across all 50 states. The Centers of Disease Control and Prevention has said that the shots should go to frontline health care workers and residents at long-term care facilities first, where the virus has had a devastating toll. It's a race against time to ramp up the vaccine program into mass inoculation. As thousands of people die every day of COVID nineteen, we know the rest of the story. Well, so here. you get
0: the rest of it. So basically, moral of the story, and then they just go into statistics: is the vaccine it's is coming. here, and it's going to be given to frontline workers first, and then it's going to be given to people. Did I tell it's you nursing this nursing
1: homes next? But
0: well, but it's people over seventy. So the people that are most vulnerable are going to get it. Well, next. that's
1: smart. That's totally the way they do top down.
0: Exactly. You sure. know, I also was fascinated when I was reading right. these articles about the vaccine is that there's five different variations of something like that. Hmm. And then like two or three of the countries are from Europe that have that. Yeah, but the ones that are US-based are the ones that are essentially, Mm -hmm. you know, ones that are shipping now. And it is interesting how um, the... Uh, where the shipments are going and who they're Mm -hmm. going to be getting going to first, how that was trying to become politicized. I was going to say that. And it was ridiculous. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Obviously, you want to take care of your most vulnerable first, and that's what the government ended up doing, say frontline workers and elderly people. Because like I was explaining to my mom, and she's 80, 81 this year, that – Even if she got COVID, I forget what the statistic was, and she's very healthy, but the probability of her actually developing any sort of real nasty problem from it was like, was it one in a hundred thousand or something? It's,
1: It's still, you know, you don't want to get it, but it's still pretty low. Uh, I think it's more, you know, when you're in a facility and there's a whole bunch of people right. that have it, you're in more trouble. Yep. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's of course going to get politicized, but it is what it is. And if any of you guys listening are going to be either I know that we have some frontline workers. There's yep. a lot of people in uh, hospital industries and nursing. Um, remember to follow the protocol, of course, because there's actually, it's a two dose thing. You get the first dose and then I think it's like two weeks or something. You have to get the second dose to make it work. Yeah. I think both of the ones coming out are like that. So just pay attention to what's going on. Um, we are being tracked, of course, So uh, because we came into Puerto Rico, and, and they're very good at keeping track of you. So make sure that you do what you're supposed to do.
0: Yeah. So moral of the story here, guys, is 2021 is going to be a fantastic year. Every time Julie and I think we're done writing our predictions uh, podcast, mm-hmm. more great things come out. It just, guys, look, you're in the right place at the right time. Use the next two weeks rolling into 2021 as your opportunity to hit the hard reset on yourself emotionally, physically, mentally. Um, Look, you're going to have so much opportunity on so many different fronts. Julie and I are going to stay on the front lines. We're your frontline worker to make sure Mm -hmm. that you guys are seizing every opportunity that's presented to you. Number one job is definitely getting your business plan done. So this obviously is our Sunday podcast where we sort of just talk about the things that are interesting to us. (laughs) That's what we do. This this is what we'd be talking about anyway if you guys weren't listening in. Um, And so we're going to be getting back to normally scheduled programming starting tomorrow uh, with the uh, continuation of helping all of you complete your real estate treasure map which is your fill in the blank business and life plan which you will need so go ahead and text 2021 to 855-685-1045 text 8 text 2021 to 855-685-1045 in the meantime you guys have a fantastic day Um, and again please do your homework from today's show is very simple please share this podcast with as many different people as you can and I'll give you a specific number just to make this reasonable. You, look, you can just post it on Facebook. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But share it with five people. Can you do that for us? That's your. That would be a wonderful thing for you to do. Um, you've listened to us now for 90 minutes. Many of you guys listen to us every single day. We have podcast listeners now in 57 different countries. Countries we have to look on a map to know where they are, you know. Um, And look, it's obviously making an impact on the world. Help us do what we are obviously and evidently designed to do, which is be of service to all of you guys, just like you are for your own customers. And the way for you to do that is to simply share this podcast with at least five people. Please do that. I'd really sincerely appreciate it. So would Julie, and so would those five people. Absolutely. All right. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.